track at the wall. We are tied. Look at this. He's I don't believe it. I don't believe it. What's up, Connection? Welcome to Dewey War, Wrestling Above Replacement, where we honor all the legends, such as the Brothers Beverly, here on the Northside Connection YouTube channel, as well as any podcast application. We are simulcast across both, like many of our shows and other contents are, and of course, on YouTube and across our social media, Ryan Gray and I are currently counting down every single WrestleMania match ever, all 402 of them. Uh, like five or so drop a day. They're all a minute or less. They're on YouTube shorts. They are on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. So follow us there and you won't miss a thing. You can tell us how dumb we are. Tell Ryan how short he is. Tell me how cool I am, even though I got this stupid cough. Marcus, how are you? <laughs> Not much better over here, man. Uh, the winter flu season is uh, kicking my butt. But uh, my Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl. Uh, we're they are. We're from uh, spring training. We are still got one more this move. Baseball, make, so. I guess this is this is like a fake baseball podcast, but it's like free baseball free agency has been completely destroyed and ruined. Like we are in the final days of January's record this early February when it's dropping, and there's like hundreds of free agents out there. Like Bellinger mm-hmm. has not signed as of the time we're doing this. 
Snell has not signed. There's like trade guys that are supposed to have been traded. Hot stove used to cook from Thanksgiving to, to New Year's, and it was hot. And it was like, you know, everyone, all the big names signed, and we had some excitement. And then you got a month to just kind of assess your team. And like, I don't even know. I'm trying to get hype for pitchers and catchers in like two weeks, and I don't even know who the fuck is going to be on the team because they're still saying, oh, Cashman's got another move. You know, are they going to make a move for Snell? Like, like, what are we doing here? Yeah, and some of these, I don't want some of these pitchers to report to to our camp. Like, they need to <laughs> – some of them need to get on out of here, you know? Um, right. Definitely not collusion at all by the MLB owners uh, when you got a two-time reigning Cy Young out there and you got a, a, a former MVP probably still in the prime of his career and Cody Bellinger still out there. Um, you got a guy like Corbin Burns that's on a team that's not competing. Yeah. Uh, no one's made a trade for him. So uh, a lot of moves still need to be made in baseball, but uh, – JT, we're making some moves today. We are, bud. Uh, we're continuing our trek through the 2005-2006 WWE pay-per-view season. If you're new here, I'll quickly explain. We do things in a seasonal format, meaning we start with the pay-per-view following WrestleMania in any calendar year, and then we close with the WrestleMania the following year. This season begins with Backlash 2005 and closes out with WrestleMania 22. So that's how this season goes. We do that all Big different time. seasons. We're jumping around, mixing it up, doing all kinds of different things. And we are then breaking down these shows in a basically plus minus system format. We have a series of categories. If you think of wrestling as like the most average basic replacement level thing, uh, you know, that's that. And then anything that's better than that gets a plus one. Anything below that gets a minus one. And then, um, you know, we've kind of net that out across all the categories. We also grade every single match. Two and a half is an average match grade. So above two and a half, minus two and a half. We add those up, your score, my score. And that kind of nets out to give us our match grade total. And then we're going to jumble that all up. That's our net war score. And we're going to stack rank each one of these pay-per-views against each other all time. And we'll see how everything shakes out, Marcus. Do you want to go over the categories that we're going to be doing here tonight? I would love to. Our first category is build, followed up by commentary. Atmosphere, notable moments and importance, our match grades like you talked about, card structure, rewatchability, and all-time matches. And an all-time match for us to be a positive, it is anything we both agree is 4.25 and above. For it to be a negative or minus, it is something we both consider to be 0.75 and below. Yeah, and as you can see, like for us, uh, our ranking is very different than the standard pay-per-view grading ranking. We are factoring in everything on an even basis. So you know, the stuff that really matters when you're ranking it overall pay-per-view, such as the in-ring match, right? You want, you want a hot crowd, great commentary, good build, good story, a rewatchable moment, important moments. Um, and that's what really fuels the cards that go to the top of our list. The stuff at the bottom just has a lot of like kind of, eh, you could have skipped that show. Or as in the case of Greatest War Rumble 19, I mean, uh, 2018, it's uh, mm. actively bad, right? And it drags the show down. So that's why we're wrestling above replacement level. Again, replacement levels is average. We look for better or worse. We also give a max of three on either end. So uh, one is the standard. Pretty much that's what we do. Two is like, all right, that was really great. And then three is like, this is an all-time thing on the show. And you get the max of three points. So shows that do well have a lot of all-time things uh, and, and hit big across all the categories. Now, as you can imagine, there's a reason we're only doing one show. Uh, one pay-per-view on this episode, and that is One Night Stand 2005. And the reason we're doing that is because we know it's a lot to get into on this show, and we we had a feeling it's probably going to do pretty well. 
So we wanted to go ahead and uh, do this as a solo. Normally we do two pay-per-views in an episode. We'll be doing that in our next one. Uh, but here tonight, Marcus, we just wanted to roll out with one night stand. Yeah, man. Uh, we got a big one. I kind of forgot about the show. Uh, even when we started the season, I forgot this was going to be a show that we were going to cover. So I'm excited to get into it. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be a good one. Uh, we'll see how good. And I wanted to ask you, uh, I know that you are, are, you are going through the land of extreme right now over on uh, extreme through a dance, but at this specific time in summer of 2005, where were you at in your ECW fandom? I was pretty novice, honestly. Like I had not seen a lot. Um, I seen a handful of pay-per-views. My buddy in college was a big fan. So when I met him, it was like late 98. So it's kind of when I got a little bit more into it uh i watched it pretty regularly on tnn so like i'd say 99 2000 was kind of my main ecw watching uh i'd read a lot about it like on the internet aol and shit in the 90s but um i would say i wasn't super well versed the dvd had come out obviously the year before i bought that watched that so my knowledge base was growing um i definitely watched it so live i watched it with a few guys who had been ecw viewers so they were pretty hyped up about it um, so I, I remember loving it at the time for sure, a hundred percent. Um, and now watching it back as we'll get into, I think it weighed a lot more heavily for me because I have now watched pretty much all of ECW and you reference 16 through a dance. You do that every other Thursday opposite this show on our South connection, myself, Jenny Smith and Matt Souza. We started in February of 94, uh, and we are in early 1999 now. So we've made up a lot of grounds. So we've seen a uh, heavy ball. We're like a two years left, right? So we've seen the bulk of ECW history now. Um, and that, that definitely, I would say it made a difference for me watching the show and it may affect some of the scoring we have here, but, um, that's, this is how I feel ECW fans felt watching the show back and it held up greatly for me in doing so. How about you? Were you, uh, any, any ECW knowledge base for you going into this? Um, a little bit. Uh, I grew up, uh, you know, in the, in the Philadelphia adjacent area, um, for, uh, up until I was seven so I saw a decent bit of ECW, uh, you know, when I was sitting up way too late and, you know, my parents were just like, it's wrestling, it's whatever. Um, going to a show was always out of question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, as far as watching it on TV, uh, you know, as long as I knew it was fake, uh, you know, uh, so it wasn't. But, um, you know, it, it was all right. Now, a lot of the storylines and stuff I didn't fully comprehend. Um but I remember like the mo- some of the moments, you know, like the chairs flying into the ring. I remember a lot of the local commercials for shows coming up at the ECW arena and stuff like that. So that was cool. Um, and then we moved. I didn't really follow it. So I missed out on like a lot of 90, later 96, 97, 98. And then when it was on TNN um, and I was over at a buddy's house, it's where I kind of like started loosely following ECW again. Um, I'd go over on his house on Friday nights or whatever and it was a lot easier to catch ECW that way. But again, I missed out on like probably the prime of the promotion or at least the back end of the prime. Um, so I was, I was pretty excited that they were doing this. Um, RVD was always one of my favorite wrestlers. He is my favorite wrestler at this time period. Um, so the fact that like ECW is kind of um, having a little bit of a revival, they're bringing back some of the guys, um, yeah. the DVD, like you talked about. Um, it was all super cool. I thought, even though I didn't have a, a full hundred percent appreciation uh, knowledge for everything that was going on. Uh, I still thought it was uh, definitely cool. And I think we're going to see it's a big risk that paid off for the company. Yeah. I'll say it's one of my great regrets probably as a wrestling fan is ever getting to go to like a old school ECW show in the arena or Queens or something like that. It's definitely something you'll never recapture. 
been to a lot of GCW shows. I'm sure it's a similar vibe, but um, definitely that's that's a little something um, that I wish I could have been through as a fan. The uh, you know you mentioned it was a risk for the company and for the fans too because going into this you didn't know like the big rumors going in were oh Vince is gonna meddle with it it's not gonna be true ECW it's gonna be watered down they're not gonna really let them do what they want to do yeah Heyman's running it but Vince will be a gorilla and he was um but I would say that's a, one of the most biggest pleasant surprises is at the end of this night it was like oh shit like they did pretty much let Heyman do his thing they ran it like an old ECW show, just with better production value. Um, you know, there was in in a building similar to what they would run in the past. Uh, they brought back a bunch of guys that would never see the light of day in, in WWE. I, I'd say there's one one negative that we'll get into, right, uh, that I think was WWE eyes. I get why they did it, because they kind of needed a natural foil baked into this. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean... It was a risk. It paid off, and it was definitely a lot of hand wringing going into the show for sure about how it would be presented and delivered. Um, all right, why don't we go to dive right in then? One night stand, June twelfth, two thousand five, from the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. I can't remember if they actually had ever run Hammerstein like in their old days. I haven't come across it really. I don't think I can check quick here, but um, obviously they run the Queens Elks Lodge a lot. Yeah, they don't. As of '99, they haven't run it yet, so I don't know if they run it after that or not. But it's a very ECW building, either way. I mean, it's it's in the same buildings in Manhattan Center, which is where the early Raws were at. Of course, it's all one big building. Um, I've, I have been there for uh, Ring of Honor in 2013, saw a show there. So we were up in the balcony where some of the Crusader guys are. Uh, we watched some of the show from there, so that was kind of cool. But I was gonna say I thought that last ECW pay per view was from. Uh, it may have been, them. yeah. As of 99, there's nothing there. So maybe it's later on they, they discover it. But um, All right. So Joey Styles and Mick Foley are the announcers. So Styles had never appeared on WWE television uh, before this. So he they bring him in to call the show. Uh, Foley's kind of a surprise guest commentator to be with him, which I thought was a good choice. Obviously, he's an ECW legend. Uh, you know, I, I think he's as good a choice as any of you commentary. He hadn't done any yet in WWE TV, really, but obviously knows the stuff. Uh, they also brought in like the whole crew. Like they brought in um, the ring announcers, the referees. They brought in the Atlas security. Like I remember that was a big thing. It was like, oh man, they as people were watching, like, oh shit, like Jim Molino's here. Oh shit, like the guy who's uh, always at the ringside for the security's here. So they really dug deep and brought back like the whole, not just the wrestlers, but the entire crew. And a lot of the fans are ringside as well. Uh, legendary ECW fans too. So. Yeah, DeAngelis, I think, was doing ring announcing, right? Yep, yep. Steven DeAngelis and Bob Ortiz. I think they do both um, are there. And then John Finnegan, Jim Molino, Pee Wee Moore, Mike Keener are the refs. Um, yeah, Joey Foley, Alice. So it's it's cool. They, they really kind of went all out. I mean, in, in Heyman's mind, everyone else's mind, this is it. Like, it's not going to go anywhere, right? So we don't know a year later. They're going to run it back and then turn it into a brand. At this time, you're thinking, all right, well – this is it. So let's ball out and just empty the chamber, right? Um, so, all right, let's get to our opening match is Chris Jericho versus Lance Storm. Uh, Storm gets the win. So, again, this is a little bit of a nod to those that may know them as like the thrill seekers or whatever back from Smoky Mountain. Uh, they didn't really cross paths in ECW too much, um, but they always were kind of tied together. And I, I think this is Storm's, 
I don't think he wrestles much more after this, or maybe he has a match or two, but ostensibly this is pretty much like his retirement match. So they give him the win. He's got Dawn Marie and uh, just incredible comes out and he helps uh, storm get the victory. Jericho did break out the old uh, trunks, but I think he uses walls, uh, break down the walls, uh, break, break the walls down. So we get a couple dirty themes mixed in, which I hated at the time. Like just play the freaking real music. What are we doing? Um, but neither here nor there so i like this as an opener i think it was a good choice of an opener to kind of it was probably on paper the the match most likely to deliver like in ring maybe one other one um but i went three and a half i, I think it's a real strong opener for a match that has no real story to it like they do a good job and, and go out there yeah i thought this was a, a great nod to the technical wrestling of uh that ecw would showcase um storm of course is a, a big time player in ecw uh, and Jericho is pretty impactful while he's there too, even though it's a shorter run. Um, and I think this is Storm's last match in WWE, and I think he has definitely a bit of an ROH run. Um, but yeah, this is this is definitely his his formal uh, retirement match. You know, he has a couple more matches here and there. Um, I went three point seven five for this match. I just really enjoyed it. I uh, thought it was uh, super clean, and um, I think I gave it the extra bump ski for uh, Lance Storm going over, which I totally forgot. That yeah, uh, was a pleasant surprise. And I mean, watching, we're going through Storm's heyday now on Extreme Through a Dance. And he's, I mean, he's fantastic in ECW. Mm. So I was glad looking back because at the time I probably didn't realize how big he was there. So um, looking back, I'm glad they gave him the win because, yeah, Jericho is a bigger name. But if you watch ECW history, Storm is way bigger of a deal to ECW than Jericho is. So yeah. um, I thought it was actually fitting looking back that Storm was the guy that got the win, given how strongly he was presented, how dominant he was through most of the run that he's there. Um, and he rides at it. His WCW run's awesome, too. He rides the momentum. So Yeah, sure is. All right. Uh, next up, we get a uh, international sampling of ECW as we have the I forget what it's billed as is the the international three-way dance um something along those lines but it's uh Yoshihira Tajiri Little Guido and Super Crazy uh Super Crazy is going to pick up the win it is elimination style um yeah. and I went 3 for this um and just super solid uh and, and you know again it's a sampling of that international flavor that ECW brought uh, kind of in the back end of the run there. Yeah, this is a big part of their 99-2000 stretch where they kind of refocus on like the hard-hitting, in-ring, faster-paced style with some of these international guys. Obviously, uh, Nunzio, Little Guido, right, and Tajiri were active competitors. They have Crazy the win. Uh, Crazy would be signed pretty much right after the show, so good on him. Uh, I, he might even have been right before. I'm, I'm not sure of the timeline, but he's there within a month on WDF, WDTV, so... Um, I went three as well. This was fun. And again, you get you start getting like all of the little bit players in there. Like we had Credible and Dawn. Now we get uh Father uh Jim and uh Mikey Whipwreck is out there with with Tajiri. So like you know, that's their little team. So um and I, I cannot think of his name in ECW. Why am I drawing a blank? James Vandenberg. Uh, Father, James uh Father James Mitchell. Yeah, wasn't he oh Sinister Minister? He's Sinister Minister. Oh, Sinister Minister, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, next up is Rey Mysterio versus Psychosis. Um, I, I found this to be kind of disappointing. This is obviously a, a nod to their uh, Mexican hardcore stuff that they had going on in late, early 96. It was Hoovy, Psychosis, Mysterio before they all went to WCW. Um, Mysterio is a guy here who makes a mistake of using his WWE theme, uh, his WWE pants and look, and just like doing the 619. Like, 
he did not get the memo. Uh, like, <laughs> no, like Jericho got the memo, right? At least comes out in the gear. Um, this guy did not get the memo. Like, hey, dial it back to 1996, brother. Like, we're not we're not out here doing doing modern day doing these shit because you're not going to get over. And the crowd did not was not super into him at all here because because of that whole presentation. Like, he should have been out in the tight pants. Um, come out to whatever he used in DCW music or maybe even his WCW theme, like something different than, you know, Booyaka or 619, whatever he's using at the time, and then hitting the 619. So 275 for me, this was definitely our first kind of disappointing match of the night. Yeah, they probably should have done a uh, like a hot start, have Ray, you know, kind of borrow from SummerSlam 2002, um, you know, have Ray make the jump from the, you know, the crowd. Uh, that we can kind of forego all the entrance and stuff like that. Um, that might have helped out with that. And I wonder if uh, for Ray, if like he had come so far uh, to be taken as just a regular WWE superstar, um, to be treated as a heavyweight, if he was afraid to even go back for like one night um, with yeah, Vince maybe. There, you know that that could play into it. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's probably the only disappointment I think in ring on this night. Uh, I wanted the 2.75 as well. So again, it's well above replacement level, um, but it is not what you would expect from these two. Yeah, not at all. All right. Uh, next up, we get an in-ring segment uh, with Rob Van Dam. Mm-hmm. He gets to cut um, the promo of his life, I think. Um, and it's all off the cuff. Um, it shows the personality that Rob Van Dam had. It showed the mic skills and the passion that he has, uh, when he's not, uh, reciting a, you know, eight paragraph scripted promo for him. Uh, you really see what this dude can do. Uh, and this in typical ECW fashion bleeds into our next match, which is Sabu taking on Rhino. Uh, I think Rhino was recently released, but was still mm-hmm. under his like, 90 day um was so that yeah, was kind he, of weird he destroyed the uh, lobby the hotel lobby or whatever at wrestlemania weekend yeah wrestlemania yeah so he's already in like his next like indie run pna gear um with big f and deal on the side um but this match is is cool man um i went with the 3.25 uh and this is the you know kind of chaotic ecw style match you come to expect you get you know the hard-hitting action you get the big moves the head dumps um you get the the death-defying moves from Sabu. Um, so yeah, man, uh, this was this was really cool stuff. Three point two five for me. Yeah, I went three and a quarter too. It was way better than than I remembered it being. I thought this was kind of made the drag of the, the night on in ring. Um, but Sabu brought the energy as always. Uh, the RVD promo is fantastic. Like it is, you know, it's right around the time we're watching CM Punk right come back to get his WrestleMania main event and gets hurt and on the Raw that you know he. He announced that he was out, gave a very passionate promo where you could kind of feel the emotion in him. RVD that night was at times 10, maybe times 100. Like, you could really feel how fucked up he was over the fact that he was injured and couldn't wrestle at the show because you know he wanted to go out there and have an incredible match and shove it on WWE. Um, but he had blown his knee out, or uh, I think it's his knee, right? He blew his knee out in December. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he said he's out there. He's like, it sucks. You know, I, I, this is my idea. I pitched it to Vince. He actually did it. Um, and it was his idea. He really pushed on it after the DVD to do something like this. Uh, so it did stink. He still goes out there like RVD always did and hobbles around even with his knee in a brace and goes out. And, and RVD is amazing in ECW. It's for anyone that hasn't watched this stuff. It's uh, go watch it. It's on Peacock. It's it's fantastic. His comedic timing, his arrogance, uh, the way he was in the ring. 
and it's sad watching that get beaten out of him in WWE over the years. Like he's amazing in 01. He's still really good in 02. And then you can see like, he's still great, but like a lot of the, like that passion energy definitely kind of dribbles out of him month by month as it goes. And uh, you can see he loses some of what he had there. So, uh, but the match is really good. Uh, you know, you could tell Rhino's not on a contract since they let him lose to Sabu. <laughs> see ya. Uh, this next match uh, up there with Ray and Psychosis to me is probably the most disappointing of the night. Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero. Uh, still three and a half. So still great. These are guys that were in ECW in 95. So they kind of dialed back and they were two of the guys that really helped put them on the map is like, we're not just a garbage indie. We are like real freaking hard hitting wrestling. Dean Malenko, Eddie Benoit, you know, Shane, Sebu, like those guys early on really were driving the in-ring action that they had going on, even some stuff from snow. So, um, but I, I don't know what was going on with Eddie on this night. Like he looks surly. He looks kind of disinterested. And I've never really pieced together, like, was he just playing up the heel stuff from the WWE side where he's embroiled in this heated feud with Ray and he's supposed to be, like, an angry, pissed-off piece of shit? And is he just leaning into that and looking, like, like just dismissive? Or did he just not want to be there? Was something going on? Like, he just doesn't seem fully engaged into what's going on around him. He uses his WWE theme. Fine. Um, again, Benoit, I think Benoit does too, but it's like, whatever. Uh, so the match is fine, and and Eddie actually taps clean, um, which is pretty surprising given his push. Like Benoit's not really doing much in this stretch, so I was surprised that Eddie didn't win this and stay strong for the Ray feud. Um, so again, I went three and a half. It's still like really freaking good, but I remember being very disappointed at the time and thinking Eddie does not look right coming out. Yeah, this is probably the floor of what these guys could deliver. Uh, I went, uh, I think I went three and a half as well. Let me double check. Uh, yeah, three and a half for me. Uh, I remember hearing a story that like Eddie was really not about uh, being there and was not interested at all and was in a pretty bad mood. Um, you know, I don't know if it's New York City, if it's the ECW environment. You know, guys work pretty hard uh, to not have to be put back in that environment. Um, so it could be a pay thing. It could be a, you know not wanting to go back and revisit that that time period you worked so hard to get out of um who knows what it was um but I, I remember hearing that like eddie really wasn't about it um and i think he kind of turned up the tv character a little bit uh in ring to match that um but yeah three and a half uh and again it's a cool sampling of like what ecw would offer it's really like the exposure aspect to ecw and how ecw you know, kind of gave these guys their first, their well, Benoit was in WCW earlier, um, but ECW really featured him. Yeah, Benoit's a, a, a little ahead, ahead of them. He's in there with Scorpio yeah. and uh, and Shane and that stuff, and then he kind of leaves as Eddie and Blanco come in and have their series and run. They're not there long, those two guys, but um, and they do yeah. some stuff with Scorpio and everything. So that's all like late '94, early '95, like real early days. Um, you know, I think '95 is probably ECW's best like in ring year. And, and they're a big part of it. So, yeah, I think there are two guys that if Heyman had his two year, you know, two years with, you know, I think they would have been, you know, top of the card type guys. Obviously. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, they kind of were even with the brief run that they had, especially Benoit definitely was. Yeah, I think they'd be mentioned in, in ECW lore on the same level as, as Taz and Shane Douglas and Sabu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So agreed. Um, all right.
all-time team. Now they did have this song. <laughs> uh, oh, they sure fucking choice. did. This match, <laughs> this match you're about to say, uh, not to spoil, but Masato Taka versus Mike Awesome. This wasn't even announced, I don't think. And if it was, it was like a last second. They snuck it in on the card on like the website. Mm-hmm. Like this wasn't any, so. they didn't announce any matches really, but I think this really wasn't even like rumored. And it was kind of like, oh shit, when he came out and they both came out. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, this match to me, this felt like the most like purest of ECW all night. Um, maybe it was because you had two guys who weren't under contract at all or affiliated with WWE, like even recently. Um, you know, just two guys that went out there and um <laughs> they did their magic formula. Um of course we're talking about Tanaka, we're talking about Mike Awesome. Uh I went to four point two five. There's the the chair shots, there's the the awesome bombs, uh all of it, right? Um but I think for these two, it's magic. It's their match. It's their formula. They don't have magic like this with anybody else. These guys are made for each other. They're their wrestling significant others. Um, so, you know, last time these guys would do this on, on a stage like this, um, you know, I felt I had to go 4.25. Yeah, I went 3.75, which is probably a little low. I think this a little guilty conscience in there for me, like, like especially knowing we're – Poor Mike Awesome's headache suit after this. Uh, I, I do find some of the chair unprotected chair shots still tough to tough to stomach sometimes looking back, but the atmosphere uh, is one of my favorite parts of this match, and I, I think because of it, it may be my favorite part of the show. Is just how insane the crowd is that these guys are still doing the same crazy shit because they kind of went out there, kind of did one chair shot, one power bomb, and called it, but they went like it was 1999 all over again, um, mm-hmm. and just went bat shit. And it's the only time of the night that, you know, we got, we haven't mentioned the Crusaders. We'll get into them in a minute. But they got the Raw and SmackDown guys up in the crowd. And it's the only time of the night where JBL is like, all right, <laughs> you know, all right, <laughs> guys, you guys can fuck. You know I mean? Like, it wasn't like everything else he's kind of, you know, ragging on. But this one, he was like, holy shit. Like, what, what are we witnessing right now? Um, the end, the end where Awesome throws him for the ring and then just – the camera misses it, but it's almost better. He just dives in after him, and you almost just see him come by the camera, and his legs get stuck on the fucking ropes, and he slams into him. Then he almost mur- he blows his knee out, of course, because this is the one thing Mike Awesome. Anytime he's poised for anything, he gets hurt. So he finally, like, you know he came into this looking to probably get signed, right? He's like, all right, this is my chance to do get some kind of deal or something. So he really goes out there and kick, you know, kills himself. Sorry, insensitive. But it really goes out there and busts his ass. And... Like, I think – I wouldn't say this was always the case, but on this night, I think he was more impressive than Tanaka. And you could tell he seemed to have some purpose. Now, whether that was just to shove it on them for, for misusing and firing him or trying to get a job, but then he blows his freaking knee out. Um, then he almost murders the referee with a powerbomb. Like, it's it's a really ugly powerbomb that he hits at the end. So, Yeah, I mean, he's doing a powerbomb with probably no, no ACL or yeah, MCL attached. It's It's insane. It's um, it's a spectacle. It's on a night full of yeah. spectacles. It may be the biggest spectacle. Um, I, that's the perfect word to describe it. It's a spectacle. And I love that it's late in the card because if this is early, it might have caused some problems. So it was <laughs> in the it was in the perfect spot. Because then yeah, we have only have one match left. Yes. But we do cool down a little bit with the Heyman promo. I'd say cool down, but Heyman comes out. We'll get into it later. But he comes out. He cuts a promo of a lifetime, talking about what ECW means to him, 
course he shoots on uh, JBL up in the crowd. And um, so, you know, he does that, gets his moment, which he should. The crowd pays him a lot of respect and reverence. And then that brings us to the main event, which is uh, four of the biggest ECW icons. Again, this is one I think I didn't appreciate at the time as much as now that I've rewatched what it meant to have these four guys be the closers. And that's Tommy Dreamer and Sandman taking on the Dudley Boys. I also didn't realize that this was like a feud because I hadn't really seen it play out in any other promotion when they were on together any other time that kind of presented as like ECW brethren. So I didn't really get it that this was like the Dudley's that broke Beulah's neck. Sandman and Tommy went to war with them to avenge her. And that's such a big story in 98 ECW. So that really carried through to this for me. Uh, we get the table spot with the fire. Uh, of course, Tommy takes a loss. He can never go over in anything ECW. Uh, so that's fitting as well. So I like this a lot as a main event. It's It was way better than I remember it being. Uh, I remember it being like a quick garbage brawl in the table, but it's the heat's crazy. The entrance, I guess we'll talk about that more later, but Sandman's entrance is an all-time pay-per-view entrance coming through the Hammerstein crowd with Andrew Sandman blasting. Um, a peacock and, and the WWE Network and everything else, of course, is dubbed with the generic Sandman song. But I do have the original VHS where I recorded this off the TV, and I have it preserved with Enter Sandman. It's out, I think it's out on YouTube and stuff too, but that original entrance with Enter Sandman is next level. Tommy and Sandman drink the beer off of uh, Electra and someone else I think is in the crowd. They drink it off their yeah. tip. Eddie out there. Um, and then this segues into the post-match. We'll talk about it later, but Austin comes out. Uh, the Crusaders all come down and they all kick the shit out of the Crusaders and ECW has a big beer bash in the ring at the end. Um, so, which I, again, was a cool ending. So the match itself though, I went four stars I, going into that match. I would have said two and three quarters probably. So I was, I was definitely over impressed by it. Yeah. I thought main event match, you know, you're going to have all the plunder and everything like that. So maybe, maybe three and a half, maybe three and three quarters. Um, but watching it with fresh eyes, um, in a clear mind, I, I went uh, 4.25, and again, it's just like the formula of ECW. It's the run-ins. It's all the tie-ins. It's how everything connects together. Uh, it's the backstory. <clears throat> it's weaving characters in and out. Um, you get the fire spot, um, and it was paced really well, I thought. You know, you get you also got, like, the weapons in there. This is the first I, – I think this is, like, the first blood all night, too. So I feel like they really made that count. Um and uh yeah man it's again it's 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 a spectacle maybe not on this the same level even though i gave it the same match rating uh you know i wouldn't put it in that same class of special as tanaka and awesome um but it's just kind of like the you know the grand symphony of uh what the ecw style main event could be agreed all right so that's uh our match grades it gives a total war score of seven uh we take our average score so you know, if I give it three, you give it three and a half. That averages out to a three and a quarter. And then we plus minus it from an average match grade of two and a half. We add that all up. So seven is like on the great side uh, of our scoring. If, you know, average is usually like four or five. Good is like two, three or maybe three, four. And then you get down like two and below. It's kind of like, yeah, kind of a weak show. So seven is, is on the high end, which surprised me because I didn't remember there being like a great match on this show. I remember there being like a lot of very good borderline great stuff. But I think what helps is there's nothing bad. Like there's nothing below replacement level in the ring at all. And then there's a couple of right on the edge of greatness. So really, really strong in ring show. And the card was super tight too. Not a lot of, uh, not a lot of fat on this card either. So, you know, that kind of tends to be a formula for us when the card is like 
tight and trim. There's not a lot of fat and everything delivers. You know, that's when you usually end up with a higher match grade for uh, the war score. No doubt. And that's definitely what happened here. All right, let's get to our categories. We'll get a, it's going to be snowing heavily here tonight on <laughs> war. Uh, all right, build a uh, point for the rebirth of ECW due to DVD sales. Such a random way to come back. But here we are. Uh, a point for Storm and Jericho having their history as a tag team, kind of spilling into this. A point for reigniting their old international three-way wars. Uh, a point for Mysterio Psychosis being added as a tribute to their extreme Lucha era, which was important. A point for them bringing Beulah back to help Tommy against the Dudleys. It's her first appearance uh, on TV since they had uh, broke her neck in 1998. So that's kind of a cool thing. And then a point for Tanaka and Awesome's longtime classic feud uh, being carried over here to this show. All right, uh, let's get into the negatives, uh, or the minuses, excuse me. Uh, we've got uh, no card really being announced before the show. Uh, wasn't needed, and it was classic ECW style, but it is a bit of a risk there, not exactly knowing uh, what you're going to get. And I think with a couple more announced matches, you could have had even more heat uh, on top of what ended up being a great card. But uh, that is our only minus for the build, JT. So that gives us a war of five for yeah. the build category. Very strong, of course. And yeah, I mean, it may be a nitpick, but it was a risk going in. I remember there being complaints like, we don't even know any matches. What are they going to do? Who are they going to get? Right. A lot of this was completely unannounced. And I remember vaguely, I feel like the day before on the website, I thought they announced a couple matches or something, but it wasn't enough to be like a full card. Um, I don't remember what matches they were, maybe the main event or something, but I remember there just being like a graphic got thrown up with a few matches, I think. Um, yeah. But they really blindfolded the show. I feel like Storm Jericho was definitely announced. Yeah, I feel like maybe that's the main one event. I knew of ahead of time. Sabu Rhino, um, I kind of vaguely feel like maybe was too, perhaps. I don't. No, maybe not. Maybe it was Benoit yeah. Getty, perhaps was. Yeah, I feel like that was announced. Mm. All right, um, well. Either way, it, it wasn't a full card, and it was a, it was an ECW style, which I like, but it was a risk for an audience that wasn't used to that. So, all right, commentary. Buckle up. Um, all right, so we have uh, WD signing Joey Styles at the last minute to do the show, and he even references it. I think they were at, at odds. He wasn't going to do it. I don't know. I feel like there were rumors maybe that – I don't know. Do you remember who the rumor – I feel like there was a rumor. I don't know if it was Cole or – like there was rumors that some WD guy was going to do it, and everyone was like up in arms, and then they came at the last yeah. hour to agreement with Joey. I feel like there was a, um, like a Don Callis rumor out there too. Yeah, maybe. Or it's going to be like maybe like Foley and, and Cyrus the virus or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, there was there, – I, if anyone remembers, let us know. I, I swear there was some like they were just going to go with Cole or something, and then they're like, oh, no, we got we – got, maybe it was going to be Cole and Taz even. I, I don't you know what I mean, like something mm. like that. But, but yeah, they get Joey at the last minute. Uh, so uh, plus three for Joey. Right back in his groove. He's blending the match with the historical insights and the story. So three there, max three. A point for Joey bringing back the ongoing feud with the New York State Athletic Commission over the ringside mats. That's a classic ECW war that they're fighting with. A point for Joey calling back to Jason and the Hives. They, they do a lot of moments throughout the night where they show like classic clips. And they have some of the lower-end guys introduce those, like Jason, Pitbull 1. Um, so different guys. So when he, when he announces Jason, he does the old you know scratching and Hives when he gets to see him. A point for Joey and Foley being direct with the crowd. Uh, when they don't like stuff like Ray and psychosis, they call it out. Like this crowd's not a fan of what's going on right now. 
A uh, point for them being a great job explaining why Bischoff is the ECW villain. Like it may seem like, oh, it's just Bischoff and Raw and he's a WWE guy, but no, he was like a classic, like just stood up as an ECW villain. Whether it was a 94 with Mick Foley and, you know, some of the WCW guys coming in there or even later when they were shit on Nitro and Bischoff sucks and everything. He's permanently like a, uh, you know, heel in the world of ECW. A point for Joey talking about Heyman always wanted to book Benoit Eddie, but he never could. And that was a cool historical point. You mentioned earlier they didn't cross paths there. A point for Foley burying WCW hard for ruining a guy like Mike Awesome. He goes all in on saying like they're wasted. I'm in the fat, fat chick thriller and all that stuff. Um, a, a really a point for doing a nice job hyping what this means for Tommy Dreamer. Um, you know, I, I think you don't think about that maybe as much. He's kind of wallowing on WWE TV. ECW meant so much to him and to get to close the show on major pay-per-view with this red hot crowd was like a real cool kind of full circle moment for him. Uh, A point for Joey saying uh, this is more embarrassing than being Simon Dean on national television. I know I'm fired. I lasted one night. Uh, That's when Nova's eating some brutal share shots at the end. And then a point for the commentators acknowledging the referees. They point out what makes them unique, not, now, unlike NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball today, they they kind of say, oh, Molano does this or Pee Wee does this. So they give them personalities and not as bland avatars and referee shirts. So a lot of pluses um, there for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's check out our minuses for commentary. We got uh, Foley talking about himself way too much all night. Uh, we got the nonstop mentioning of the Crusaders uh, as they get uh, shoehorned into the show. We get Joey uh, over the top burying Mike Awesome. Um, feels like kind of the only real misstep on um, big misstep by him on commentary all night. Uh, and then we get the unfortunate wording uh, of him, you know, saying he hopes uh, awesome kills himself, uh, you know, for jumping to WCW um, just kind of ruins the vibe of the match a little bit. Um, and then Joey's absurd over the top laughing for uh, the BWO. Maybe he was doing his uh, ode to Michael Cole. Yeah, it was, it was rough. <laughs> and like, he would do that in ECW. <laughs> sometimes but it was it was way too much um uh we'll we'll give a two on the uh on the awesome stuff as well i think that's uh that was really bad <laughs> like he basically like he just goes in hard on, i mean i get it right he walked out of the company um held up the title all that shit so there was an axe to grind but he goes in way hard even if foley's like all right let's let's dial it back joe it's not that bad and then when he says i hope he kills himself and then he kills himself like two years later uh that one in retrospect does not age well at all so yeah all right so that gives us a nine uh net score on commentary so very strong uh for those that follow the show regularly you know commentary is not a strong suit in a lot of these uh for sure all right marcus here we go this is where our money is made on the show. Atmosphere. So, Max 3 for all-time uh, amazing location. You get the history. You get the vibe, the look. this everything about it. A point for having all the uh, classic ECW fans at ringside. Nice touch. A point for all the original ECW referees and security. Adds so much to it. A point for the crowd as being insane when Joey opens the show in the ring. You know, old-school ECW style. A point for the classic ECW opening animation with the This Is Extreme uh, song. A point for all the classic ECW camera shots, the way they come into the arena, you know, and in and out. So they hit all those those points. It feels like an ECW show. A point for them using a non-WWE ring. Uh, you know, it, they didn't just make it look at ECW ring. They really found one that fit the vibe. A point for Chris Jericho being dressed as the Lionheart. A point for the standing ovation for Jericho. 
a point for the Chancellor Chris Candido throughout the night. Of course, he had just passed away, I don't know, what, weeks before this. I think it was April, maybe. A couple, uh, eight weeks, maybe, or so before this, he passed away. I don't think he would have been on the show because he was actively in TNA at the time as a pretty big act. So, um, but still, it was sad, like, you know, just the timing of it all. In a way, kind of fitting of his how his life and career went uh, that he passes away right before a show like this. But um, a lot of chance for him all through the night. A point for the crowd being completely rabid for super crazy. Uh, a point for the non-pop foray, which was, I think it was earned. It was, it was earned. Um, he didn't take it the way he should have, and, and he gets owned for it. Uh, a point for the crowd chanting, put your mask on a psychosis. Poor guy. Uh, a point for the uh, crowd being all over the Crusaders and defending their home turf all through the night. Uh, Mega pop for RVD gets a point. Mega pop for Sabu gets a point. The crowd is all over edge about fucking Lita. Uh, they're, they're a part of the Raw Crusaders. They're just relentlessly over him. Uh, a point for the crowd being ruthless for Eric Bischoff. Just all over him as well. Uh, awesome bomb. We played it earlier. The entrance is, is a classic. Uh, the, the crowd vibe and insanity during awesome Tanaka is amazing. A point for the standing ovation. And thank you, Paul Chance, for Heyman. Three points for the all-time, maybe the greatest of all-time wrestling entrance, Sandman in the Hammerstein Ballroom with the whole crowd singing Enter Sandman as he comes through the crowd. Then they drink the beer off uh, Electra. Like, it, it, the whole thing is just amazing. Um, a point for the big pop for the BWO. A point for the monster pop for Austin at the end of the show. A point for the massive pop for Taz. And then a point for the uh, Eric Bischoff finally get his comeuppance for ECW and the crowd losing it for that. So it was kind of paid off a decade-long angle of Bischoff versus ECW uh, gets paid off here as they escort him from the arena. And they yeah, protect him. Um, the Dudleys protect him uh, a little bit because he's getting the shit kicked out of him by some guys that do not like him, and they kind of pull him to safety and, and walk him out <laughs> to make sure he doesn't, you know, die in the ring. Yeah. Uh, for the minuses, we got the crowd resurrecting the UF up chance. Uh, you know, always stupid, especially with the level of risk uh, involved in a lot of the moves that the ECW talent would do. Uh, we get the crowd uh, not vibing with Ray and Psychosis due to Ray being uh, solely the WWE Act version of Ray Mysterio. Uh, they even boo Ray at the end uh, when everybody uh, really gets cheered throughout the night for uh, their performance and, and coming back out one more time. Uh, too many WWE themes all show. Uh, we know that it gets pricey with licensed music and all the technicalities there, but um, you know it's probably a, a, a thing that could have been done really to push a show uh, over the top. You know, get more uh, get more licensed themes throughout the night. Um, you know, some of these people, Dudley's, RVD, Ray, Jericho, uh, all use their WWE theme. Uh, we get uh, JBL. Uh, you know, he's he's bullied JBL um, as uh, you know, Osman Tanaka kill themselves for the fans, um, and eventually he kind of comes around. But um, that can kind of go all night for the you know the. The Crusaders kind of just being so nonchalant mm-hmm. uh, and mocking the, the the wrestling going on in the ring again. It's just something that like wasn't needed. No, so. it's over the top. What they should have really done because we'll talk about it a bit as we go with card structure, etc. Too, they are way too um, <clears throat> focused on. Like they show them a ton, they talk about them a ton. There's some points where they're cutting to them like every three or four seconds. It's like boom, boom. It's like move JBL, move Bischoff. It's like all right. We're not here to see them. Um, I think this was their one capitulation events that there had to be some kind of angle. And again, <clears throat> I don't mind it because there's no true heels on the show in the ECW sense. Maybe, maybe Ray, but 
so they kind of needed a foil to tell the story of the show and have that closing feel good moment where they all kick the shit out of them. So that's fine. But I would just have them come out at the end. Maybe they all come out during the Heyman promo and he comes out and shoots on them, something like that. Or maybe during the RVD promo halfway through the show or something um, because he could, he kind of ripped on them too. So I, I just think the whole show is like too much and they're not out there right away, but they come out pretty fast and it, it's like overwhelming. Yeah, I wonder if you could have done an angle where like Bischoff's trying to, you know, shut the show down, maybe. Um, you know, it feels, I don't know, it feels a little bit like Kurt Fuller or something like that from No Holds Barred. I don't know, but like right. something more where he's trying to to shut the show down throughout the night. And, you know, it's, oh, we hear Bischoff's talking to the Athletic Commission. We hear Bischoff is talking to the fire marshal. We hear, and it's a lot of you hear, and you don't really see Bischoff, and maybe you, you know, maybe you do a cutaway during the show, and then right. at the very end, maybe it's that's where you get the reveal of all the guys coming out, um, and you get the the big standoff, and and then you know ECW standing tall, um, but yeah, the the constant presence all night wasn't needed. Agreed. Uh, it's just way too much. And, and the main thing to focus on it as much, it would have been okay. Like, but they constantly just freaking talking about it. It's like, all right, enough. We don't care. We see JBL and these and the Bashams enough. We don't we don't need more than that. Um, all right, so that's a plus twenty six for atmosphere, uh, which I think is a record for. I don't think we've ever been high, that high on anything. But I, I I don't think there's anything crazy in there. It's the whole show is insane. The crowd is uh, bell to bell, um, never stops, never stops, never stops. So, all right, notable moments. Three, the full three for uh, ECW lives. Uh, a point for Heyman getting the full control. Vince hands off. It's unprecedented on a WWE show until today, I guess. Uh, Lance Storm's retirement match with the Impact Players Reunion. Um, that was really cool. Uh, plus three for all the ECW legends making their debuts. There's so many on the show. A point for the FBI coming back together. He got Big Sal out there. Uh, so that was kind of neat. I think was uh, Tracy was there too, right? And was Tommy Tracy Richard was there. J JT, uh, I know JT Smith was there. Yeah, so they, they kind of pulled together. I don't think Tommy was there, but Tracy's definitely there. Um, so that's cool. All the video packages all night are a sneaky way. You get Shane Douglas on the show and some others. <clears throat> they pay tribute to those that have passed. So um, kind of notable there. We get the Fonzie, Sabu, and RVD reunion after RVD's promo into the Sabu Rhino match. You had to have those three guys together. Uh, Heyman's iconic promo. He buries JBL, buries Edge, buries Bischoff. You know, that's all-time, right? His all-time line, right? The only reason you were a WWE champion is that Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays. That's just like a <laughs> all-time Heyman line. Um, the, the week one, I think, is when he says Matt freaking Hardy to Edge. Like, that, I don't know, that's a little lame. Like, the crowd's been chanting for Hardy for months, so he made it like it was some taboo thing. But I guess at the time, they weren't allowed to say his name. So, um, But Edge does a really good uh, spit take, which is funny when, when he says uh, Matt freaking Hardy spits the beer out. Uh, a, a point for... Uh, Bischoff with the iconic uh, middle finger. It's just like an all-time wrestling photo. I'm sure you've seen it if you've been on the internet at all the last like 20 years. He's got the beer in one hand and the middle finger and the smirk, uh, the leather coat on. So that's kind of a classic Bischoff moment. A point for Beulah and Tommy. They reunite. Tommy's got the blood all over his face and Beulah hugs him. And, you know, it's all in her hair. A uh, point for the fire table where the Dudleys put him through it. And then a point for Bischoff again, getting his come up and set the hands of the ECW stars. All right. Uh, 
for our minuses, we got some missing legends, obviously, like uh, Shane Douglas, you talked about. Uh, Terry Funk's another person uh, whose presence is missing on the show. We get uh, Ray being full-on WWE Ray Mysterio with his gear and the music, uh, the moveset. <coughs> uh, really pisses off the fans. Uh, Bully JBL abusing uh, Blue Meanie, getting a shot in. Um, and he has to take uh, his punishment on TV. Yeah, that's, um, that's a pretty memorable one. We'll get. That's a memorable one in a bad way. So in the big brawl at the end, JBL like stiffs the shit out of Meanie. Like, I don't know if they had a fight. I think did they argue back. It was some reason that, or made us picked on him because he's a fat guy. I forget. But he targets him and he punches him like with stiff shots to the face. Like, he really batters him. Meanie was all fucked up. And yeah. it became like a really big talking point after. Like, people were pissed. ECW fans are pissed. The wrestlers are pissed. So Vince makes JBL eat some shit. He had to do an apology. They give Meanie a job. They bring the BWO on TV. And then um, Meanie gets to whack him with a chair on SmackDown and cost him a match. And he really – he crushes him with that chair shot on SmackDown as a receipt. So they do right by him. But it kind of sours that ending stretch with JBL just being a fucking bully as always. Yeah, we'll see it when we do Great American Bash too. But JBL uh, gets color on TV too, which was uncommon at the time uh, from that chair shot. Um but uh, what else we got here for our minuses? Oh, we got a RVD getting injured. Can't wrestle in the show. That's a big bummer. Uh, Austin sucks. blowing out his knee at the end of that match. That sucks, too. Uh, we get Austin is stone cold. I know that's like the final form of, of, of Steve Austin. Um, but, you know, it would have been cool to have superstar Steve Austin back out there, uh, at least for a minute. Or, you know, I don't know. Find a way to tap into that other than being stone cold Steve Austin. But... I mean, it shows how over he is because that crowd shit on everything WWE, but he comes out and he gets a he's he's got the glass breaking theme. He's got an XFL jersey on, like he is fully a WWE fanboy, and he gets a, a mascot. Problem. Yeah, yeah, uh, but they didn't care. So that shows you how freaking over he is, no matter what. But that said, I know he's not going to grow his hair in, right? I get it. And superstar Steve Austin was not that far off from Stone Cold with his attitude. Just give me like Jesus Christ superstar for a few minutes and then it then the glass shatters. Like maybe you they plays and everyone's looking around, like what's going on? The glass shatters and then out he comes. And maybe he's got the Monday night quill shirt on. Or so just something beyond like an XFL jersey. Um the beer thing is so duty, but I get it. They're just all drinking was a big part of ECW culture. So whatever. Sandman, obviously. Um, so it's fine. I don't think there's many ways to hide who he is at this point. But this that one little touch would have been cool if it starts with Jesus Christ Superstar. Such a nitpick, but um, I think it would have added another dose to the show of like, oh, even Austin is dialing it back to 95, you know. Even if he just comes out in an ECW shirt, I think that goes a long ways. Yeah, instead of the you know, cut up tank top or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just a this. I mean, right? Like whatever. He's got this on or something. Would have been cool. So all right, so that's a plus uh, nine for moments, plus seven for match grades we talked about. Let's get to card structure. A big point for uh, opening the show, Joey in the ring. That's that classic ECW vibe. A point for opening with Storm and Jericho. A point for the tribute video to the legends that have passed away. A point for Tajiri and Crazy. Uh, that rivalry deserves a spotlight. Guido's in there too, but Tajiri Crazy is such an epic rivalry in the early 99. They deserve this moment. A point for the, uh, more of the classic video package. Like we said, it was a way to get Douglas in. Um, they showed a lot of the vintage clips, you know, the highlight. And that was an important piece, right? Um, a point for spotlighting the eras throughout the night. You get the Extreme Lucha, the Extreme International Three-Way Dance, 
Dreamer and the Dudleys, the Impact Players, Benoit Eddy. So we gave it a plus three because they really went all out in structuring this card in a way to spotlight the different... They could have just done a dream card, right? Uh, oh, this this guy versus this guy would be cool. But they really tried to capture the vibe of what all these guys did in ECW and what it meant. So I, I, kudos to them for taking that approach. A point for RVD, getting a chance to rep ECW. Even with the injury, he needed to be out there. He needed to do something on screen. Um you know, so th I think they used him perfectly uh, given to where he was. A point for having Dreamer lose. He always loses. He needed to lose. So they, they stick with that. A point for closing with the big reunion um, and celebration. And then uh, the final thing we really haven't talked about, closing out with old school Taz. He comes in with the towel over his head, the theme, and he chokes, you know, comes in and chokes everyone out and triggers a big brawl. So that was a perfect way to end because that was him, right? That was Taz. He always kind of walked alone, comes out at the end and, and starts the fight. So the card structure, again, is something that hurts a lot of shows, but this one, they were dead on through most of it. Yeah, they really nailed it. Um, just a few minuses here. We get uh, too much focus and time spent on the WWE Crusaders and Invaders all night. Uh, and even their attitudes and how they sell ECW, uh, it makes ECW feel low, uh, low end, um, despite the presentation, despite all the obvious effort that had been put into the night. Um, and they didn't need that much time to get over that, you know, hey, they're the bad guys. This is who you're supposed to hate. Um, and, it, you know, just for the big payoff being a big brawl, I thought, we, you know, we both thought way too much time was invested into that. Um, again, all the, the crowd shots um, going back to the invaders, you know, JBL. I feel like I saw Orlando Jordan, a bunch, the Bashams, um, you know, all these guys you could see on Monday or, or you know, Thursday at the time. Um, it was just too much. So we went minus two. Overall. We should, we should, someone should go back and count how many times they showed JBL during these. I mean, it's going to be like a hundred times. It's like there's times where I think it's awesome Tanaka. They must show him like, like more than awesome Tanaka. Like they, every move, they're back to him, like looking on and off. Whereas you only, yeah, the amount of full screens he's got is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Him, him, Orlando, the Bashams, Edge, Bischoff, La Resistance, they show a bunch. Like, is this a Christian? They show Christian a bunch. Angles um, there. Yeah, Angle's and, there, although he's awesome, so whatever. But yeah. and he actually has early perk angle four. Yeah, and he's got some history with ECW. All right, so that's an eleven for card structure. You can tell these points. All right, Marcus, rewatchability. Uh, a point for the opening welcome into the building and soaking in that moment is so rewatchable. A point for Super Crazy's balcony moonsault. A point for Psychosis' psycho guillotine. A point for Sakosa selling the shoulder to the post all the way outside into the lap of a female fan, just classic ECW. A point for Joel Gertner. We didn't mention him, uh, but he does this thing. He goes to each Crusader um, balcony. He's got a resume and a VHS. Uh, that's all-time stuff. And, of course, JBL, the bully, shoves him down. But he's asking Bischoff for a job. Uh, like Angle has a... If you try to sum up Angle in any way, this is it. The crowd is chanting, you suck dick. And Angle goes, your mother taught me how. Just a beautiful Angle cell phone. Uh, RVD's impassioned promo from the heart. Just unloading all the thoughts he had. His shit's on creative. He's got no script. Just an all-timer. Two points for that. Uh, a point for Sabu's super Arabian skull crusher through the table. A point for the flawless structure of the show. Just flawless. It's all rewatchable. A point for the awesome bomb and then diving through the table. A point for Heyman's promo. A point for Sandman and Dreamer. They enter Sandman. Uh, they have the beers of C.W. Anderson and Chetty. They drink the beer off of Lecher's tits. A point for Beulah and Tommy's reunion. Uh, a point for Christian. He's good at this a Crusader because he looks like he came off of One Tree Hill or the OC. <laughs> he's, got the, he's got the polo shirt, the collar pop. 
this as mid nine as mid uh, aughts as it gets, right? Just yeah, beautiful. Despite mm-hmm. hair, um, a point for Tracy Smothers. He's dancing like the old uh, FBI dance to the ECW chance. This looks so happy. Uh, Austin should talk to the Crusaders. Oh, I see little JBL. Kurt Angle, you some bitch. <laughs> you know, he's just shitting on him. He's emceeing the whole last segment as they're all getting the shit kicked in. You know, uh, you know look at him go, like, you know, he's get up there, get your ass up there, put that some bitch through the ring. He's, you know, calling the action as they're all getting on it. So it's, it's classic. Yeah. You got to figure how many beers deep is Austin in? Oh, uh, he's know, loaded. backstage loaded. for three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for our uh, minuses, minuses for rewatchability, uh, we got uh, JBL. Um, you know, can't. It's like record timing uh, to try to bully the uh, the ECW jabrones uh, and crap on the fans. Um, oh, he cannot do it fast he, enough. He douche. cannot do yeah. it fast enough. He's barely out the door, and he's already like, "Oh, look at these fat losers in your mother's basement." Like <laughs> he is. He can. This is the greatest moment of his fucking life. He cannot wait to get out there and shit on these internet nerds. Yeah, um, we get a uh, you know, <laughs> it seems angry Eddie Guerrero, uh, you know, at least displacent. Uh, seems way too annoyed to be there. Uh, weird vibe all night with him. Yeah, uh, maybe too into the heel character, like we talked about. Uh, we get the disgusting chair shots on the doorstep of uh, the unfortunate uh, suicide of Mike Awesome, uh, and Benoit as well. Yeah, uh, yeah we're, we're like two years off from both of them, and they both, you know, showed signs of you know, really strong mental trauma and brain damage from stuff like this. So. Yeah. Uh, we get Aust- Austin telling Benoit to, to kill, kill his SOB. <laughs> I had a pause and oh. I'm like, I'm like, did he just say that? Like, that I know to, he didn't, um, they don't know, right? They don't know, but he goes, Benoit. Yeah. Get up there and kill that son of a bitch. I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> a little rough to watch back. Yeah. That's a, that's a directed towards Bischoff, right? I think so. I think, yeah. 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 It was, uh, we get the needless <laughs> WWE storyline. Of the the invasion, the Crusaders we talked about. It's the one thing that they absolutely insisted on doing that really felt like WWE. Um, and it's probably you know, arguably the only bad thing on the show. I and mean, we've had disappointing things, we had things that underwhelmed, but like Guerrero and Benoit underwhelming was three and a half, you know, psychosis and Ray right, underwhelming two quarters, was yeah. two and three quarters. Uh so this is the only thing I think throughout the night that was a constant drag uh on the card. And it's still going to um, work if they just t- if they cut it down. It's like just don't yeah, sh- have yeah. them come out later. Too don't much. show them as much, and then have them come to the ring for the fight because you needed them for the closing brawl. I think that worked well, um, but you didn't need all night. You just didn't need all night. Yeah, it, and it didn't do anything to build up the tension all night either. The tension was there as soon as they walked through the door. Um, that all could have been on the the very back end of the show, um, but yep. that gives us a total war of twelve for rewatchability. All right, no all-time matches. That's the one thing, I guess. Um, so, Marcus, uh, you know, a very famous Southern friend of ours told me we broke the system uh, when I told him about this score. And maybe we did. But what were we supposed to do? Like, not not be honest with ourselves? Like, no. the system's the system, and we happen to stumble upon a show that strikes hard in all of our categories. It's got the greatest pay-per-view crowd of all time, probably in WWE history. Um, it's it's the most crowd satisfying ever. Uh, it's got you know a decade of emotional build. It's, it's supremely rewatchable. It's a flawlessly structured card. It's got a lot of important things that happen. Uh, it's got some great wrestling on it. So I, I mean, it is what it is, right? So 
if you've been adding as we've going, or you probably at least have a general feel. But Marcus, our previous high, number one, was Royal Rumble 2002 at 44 points. Our new number one, One Night Stand 2005, checks in at a very robust extreme, 79 points. Um, So, you know what? We broke our system on the other end. Most likely. His greatest Royal Rumble 2018 is at negative 17.25. The next one is at negative 9. So maybe not as much. But this one is better than our next show by 35 points. And I don't know what else to say besides I don't feel guilty at all. Like talking it through with you again, watching it back. I don't feel like we – I don't know. I just It's an awesome show. It's, it's, it's probably the greatest show the company's ever done. There's very little on this show that by our true definition of replacement level was replacement level. Just like everything was dope. Everything was awesome. Everything was better than you would, you would expect. Um, and also like kind of consider the source here uh, with both of us. We, we both have an appreciation for ECW, uh, you know, that that's growing um, as we get more into our, our wrestling watching, but you know, we weren't super in the weeds at the time. The people that were super into ECW at the time, then I feel like are still like, you know, whenever they have the chance to revisit ECW, it's still that sentimental, you know, it's still, it's still the number one. It's still, you know, there will never be anything like it. Um, and that's not necessarily us. We, you know, we weren't, we weren't deep into the, uh, the Heyman cold at the time. So for us to kind of have, I think is, is pretty close to a unbiased, but yet informed, uh, knowledge of ECW. Um, this is just how the show graded out in our system. And it it crushed it for its target audience. Like the mm. audience for this show wasn't necessarily WWE fans, right? It was meant to bring back memories and bring closure to a below promotion that didn't get did a proper ending. <clears throat> right? Like it just kind of closed overnight. They didn't get to really say goodbye as fans and as wrestlers. This gave them that. And what I like about it it's not like a lot of the current day reunions and throwbacks that are like 20, 25 years. Like it's still within the realm where a lot of fans were there and around the wrestlers could all still wrestle and they could all be there. It's only five years after the promotion closed. So it's like, it's in that nice window where we missed it. We wanted it back, but it hadn't been gone so long that it's like a shell of itself. You know, we're not, they're not all broken down trying to like, they could still wrestle. They could still put on a show that felt like ECW. It was just a perfect storm, and they executed it wonderfully. And it was a love letter to ECW and his fans, and it delivered. I mean, I can think of a couple shows that may sniff it, but it's probably going to stand as our number one for a long time, and maybe till the end of the project. But it is what it is. So everything else compete for second. But I'm not going to sit here and, and second guess it because I don't think there's anything to second guess. Yeah, um, and again, this show you kind of touched on it. It's it's a point I wanted to make. This show does have the benefit of um being able to exist within itself you know you can start and finish a show and there's nothing that really carries over um there's no storylines really that carry over everything was self-contained this one night but they make the most of it man um you know everything feels good um you know it feels are up it's done well like lance storm um uh and the dudleys um it's just they knocked it out of the park simple as that yeah, they took a risk I mean, and it paid off. I mean, you could make an argument it almost shouldn't be included in ways, right? Because of how different it was. But it's WWE produced show and WWE guys are on it. So whatever it is, it is. But um, it's definitely extremely unique. They obviously do another awesome one the next year. We'll see if that can maybe comes close. That's got a chance potentially when we get to that season someday. So we'll see.
All right, you want to really briefly hit our top 10 and we'll get out of here? Uh, yep, let me slide right on over there. All right, I'll start with number 10. Yeah, updated. It's uh, from the same calendar year, Royal Rumble 2005 at 36 and a half. All right, number nine is WrestleMania X8 with a 36.75. Then Evolution 2018 is our eighth best show with 38 points. Formerly number one was the highly controversial SummerSlam 1999. It has fallen down to with a 38.25. Tied with that in sixth place, but I guess a tiebreaker for having the better match is SummerSlam 1992, 38.25. Uh, coming in fifth, starting uh, out, or starting off our top five, is the SummerSlam 2001 with a war of 39. WrestleMania 7, our highest rated mania so far. That's our fourth best show at 39 and a half. Top three time. Uh, number three, the SummerSlam 1990 with a war of 42. And then we mentioned earlier, but our second best show of all time, Royal Rumble 2002 with a 44. And our new number one show, uh, perhaps untouched, remains to be seen, but it is ECW WWE One Night Stand 2005 with a war of 79. And the mm. spread between that and our worst show, Greatest Royal Rumble 2018, is a strong 96 and a half points uh, between those two shows. I mean, you're talking almost a 100-point difference between our best and our worst. So that is a spread. So. All right. Marcus will be back in two weeks. Uh, we're going to come back to cover two shows. And we get another great one, though. Um, I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough, maybe, as like the, two of the best ever uh, dirty papers that happened in the same month. Happened back-to-back. Uh, but we'll talk about it. We'll see where it finishes because I think it's going to be another strong one. This Vengeance 2005. And then we'll also cover Great American Bash 2005 as well. So a couple big shows to come. A month from now, we'll be covering SummerSlam 05 as another big show. 0506 is a sneaky, strong year for sure. All right, check out everything North South Connection. Like I mentioned earlier, subscribe across all of our social media to get in on the WrestleMania match countdown. Uh, reach out to us, leave some comments, share us around. We appreciate it. Uh, we're really thankful for all of you as we enter another year here in 2024. We have a lot of cool content coming leading up to Mania and beyond. Continue to live your life above replacement level. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks.